August, it says August 8th, that's a Saturday. That's not when we're going. We're going on a, you, have you been to Magic Springs on a Saturday? It's rough. We're going on a Monday, August 3rd. August 3rd, that's a Monday. Did I get all of that? Okay. Um, yes, all right. Let's see, a couple more, really. Tuesday's my birthday. Then tonight, <laughs> we have a, um, we have a, a performance um, slash time of worship with um, One by One. If you like acapella music, they are so good. And if you don't like acapella music, what are you, do, what are you doing here? <laughs> but no, we, if, if it's something that you're, um, that you're growing to love, then this is, this is a neat time. You, you will absolutely not regret coming tonight at 6 o'clock. We will have um, a time together, and then we will have time together with food. Time together without food, then time together with food. And it will be a blast, and you will not regret it. Please live your life where you're going to acapella concerts more often, and um, I I think you won't regret it. All right, we'll be in John chapter 15 this morning. We'll start in verse 18. Uh, Judy, I don't have the slides in front of me. If you can just keep up... uh, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, we will live in a world where it's hard to talk about Jesus in public. Right? Like, it's hard to go to your, your workplace or um, go to school or uh, anywhere. And unless you are in a, um, a decidedly Christian arena, unless you're in a church or unless you're in a church gathering of some sort or a Christian school, it is hard to talk about Jesus. Now, I went to a Christian school. I went to Harding, and we had a um, we had a couple people who would come up and like just be real open about like matters of, of Christian faith. Like we had a guy who would walk up and say, "How's your prayer life?" Listen, out of the blue, that question is about as as invasive as "How's that mole doing?" Like, it's just odd to hear, whoa, whoa, let's talk about something else first, and then we'll talk about prayer or something. But to, to speak the name of Jesus in public sometimes can be a little diff, uh, uncomfortable. It can cause me discomfort. Uh, one of my favorite comedians named Jim Gaffigan. Uh, Jim Gaffigan has a bit that I thought about showing and decided against it. Uh, but it was, it's, he, he talks about how um, he, he starts out his whole show by saying, I, I want everybody to be comfortable tonight. That's why I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. And everyone tightens up. He says, <laughs> he, says he better not. And there's a, there's a belief that like, if I talk to you about Jesus in a place outside of the parameters of where it's okay to talk to you about Jesus, it's going to make all of us uncomfortable. It's going to make all of us a little tense to say, oh, let's talk about something else. But Jesus has this, uh, this insight about how the world is going to treat us as disciples of Jesus, how they're going to treat us, and he is dead on. It, it, go to John chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 18, I believe. If the world hates you, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. 
That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, is that on the board? Yeah, sweet. If Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. All right. There are certain things that come from Jesus that we are actually okay to say in public. There are certain things that you can say. Um, Love your neighbor is something everybody is okay with. But love your enemy is an idea maybe people are okay with. But when you actually put love your enemy into action, guess what you are going to create? More enemies. People do not like you to love your enemies. You say, Benjamin, I don't know if that's true. Okay, try preaching on September 11th, love your enemy. Try that one. And see how the world responds to Jesus' teaching then. Try preaching that love your enemies is, is a teaching of Jesus, except whenever it's uncomfortable the world will hate that people are fine with us talking about jesus feeding a bunch of people but resurrection is an odd thing to discuss see there are certain things that the world's okay with in the christian um christian culture they're okay with us saying certain teachings they're okay with us living certain ways but there jesus asks us to go to drastic measures Drastic measures that will, in a, that will make the world dislike you to a certain extent. But notice after he says all of this, after he says the world's going to hate you because it hates me. And the world's going, if, if people hated me, they're going to hate you. And they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Notice what he says about the Holy Spirit. When the helper, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. The book of John reads like a bit of a court document because everybody is testifying about one thing. It starts with John the Baptist. And throughout the book of John, John himself, toward the end, proclaims that I'm testifying about him to you. You have the Father who testifies about the Son. You've got the Spirit here who testifies about the Son. You've got the woman at the well in John 4 who testifies about Jesus. You've got the crowds who testify about Jesus. The law testifies about Jesus. The works of Jesus testify about Jesus so much so that whenever Jesus does a miracle it's not called a miracle it's called a sign and signs aren't the point they do the pointing 
And what are they pointing to? They are testifying about Jesus. Disciples themselves, the crowd, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus testifies about himself. Altogether, if you take that Greek word and go with all of its um, variations, sometimes it can be translated testify, sometimes it can be translated witness. Altogether, it's about 39, 40 times throughout the book of John. When all the other Gospels average about four. John, throughout his whole book, is trying to point to something other than himself. John the Baptist does this quite well. I, no, don't come, follow me. I'm testifying about someone else. The miracles, people got caught up in the miracles, and the whole time John's trying to say, no, it's not about the miracles. It's about the, what the miracles are pointing to. People would get obsessed, like, well, you gave us food. Give us food again. And he would say, you missed the point. I am the bread of life. Philip would say, well, just show us the way. Or Thomas would say, just show us the way. He would say, I am the way. See, it's Jesus' testimony, the Father's testimony, the, the crowd's testimony, John's testimony, John the Baptist's testimony, the disciples' testimony, the works, the law, their testimony about Jesus is what John is trying to get across. Something happened in history and John says, I've got some witnesses who are willing to testify as to what happened. It's a big deal especially to these people that John was writing this fourth gospel to. It's a big deal because they were a people who lived in a land that was completely different from the land of Jesus, who spoke a different language in the land, a different time from the time of Jesus. I'm thinking, is this real? I want you to know that if you think, if your answer to that is, I don't know, I feel you, I get you. I really, I really do. Like there's an element of me that lays awake at night. Not very long. I go to sleep pretty quick. But every once in a while there's times where I think, is, this, is all this real? I have doubts. And I have this weird situation that whenever I have these little these doubts, that then I've got to question my motives of, well, are you just keeping your face to keep faith to keep your job? Because you know, if I lose one, I lose the other. So, what's your motives? And I got to wonder about my motives. And I've, it's just a, it's an exhausting thing that sometimes will put me to sleep. And I wake up, and don't think about it again. I wake up, I'm like, oh, it's time for some waffles. No introspection at all in the morning. But. There, there is a sense of me that looks at an empty tomb and says, you've got to be kidding me. There's a sense in me that watches a blind man retain sight or, a, or a, a, someone says, your sins can be forgiven. There's an element of my humanity that makes me think, that just doesn't sound right. You mean he came back from the dead? But there's so many things, and we'll have to get into that in another 
and that's another series. But there's so many things I lean on that I go back to and I say, oh, but that thing. The disciples were confused by it too. That's one of my things. You know, like if the disciples would have, like if all, all of the Gospels would have been like, well, yes, and Jesus did this because he's eventually going to raise from the dead and we all knew it. I would think, well, they're a little suspect. But the fact that he comes back to life and they say, well, some of the women said he did, but we're going home. Like that gets me. Like that brings me back and I start to think, oh, they didn't, they were confused. They didn't see this coming, yet here we are. But the thing that gets me the most is not something that I can point to in Scripture. It's not some scientific element that I can say, well, see here, this is how resurrection works. It's nothing like that. The thing that gets me the most is deep inside of me. I have, even in all this mental friction, deep inside of me, I have this burning that I can't get rid of. That I can't write out on a piece of paper and say, this is what's happening. That I can't argue clearly and say, this is, this, see, obviously Jesus was alive. But deep in me, I've got this thing I can point to and say, this, I just can't let go of this. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't have a hold of God. Like, I don't have this mental understanding of God and I don't have everything figured out about Jesus, but it, what it feels like is that he's got a hold of me. And that in those moments where I question and I'm concerned and I just don't, I don't understand, there is something else in me pointing to the Savior. And then I believe that the fulfillment of Jesus' promise here, that the Spirit will testify to Jesus. That the Spirit will point to Jesus. And you may say, well, well the Bible, that's what the Bible does. Isn't that where the Spirit is? And I say, well, there are things in the Bible that sometimes we have a hard time reconciling. Like if you don't know the purposes of Matthew and of Mark and of Luke, sometimes their stories get messed up. And you're, well, why is one story like this and one story like that? There's things about the Bible that can be confusing. Really smart people don't understand the Bible all the time. I'm not one of them because I'm not the, you know, the really smart people. But I don't understand the Bible all the time. But I've just got this fire that I can't explain. That, that points me to the way of Jesus. Galatians chapter 5. He says something about the Spirit that I think is quite interesting. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I think one of the ways that the Spirit testifies about the about the Savior, is by producing in us fruit that points to, as signs that point to something bigger than ourselves. That when we can love, when no one else is loving, 
when we can be patient in times that just seem like it's not going to be patient. No one's going to be patient today. He sat on the runway for 30 minutes. Maybe that didn't connect with anybody. Um, But there's like, there's this patience, there's this kindness in us. There's this joy that exudes our personality. This is bigger than regular life. This person is bigger than something that I can even put my finger on. There's something there, but I don't know what it is. I think that happens with you guys. I think on a regular basis, I see you guys being patient and being loving and being kind and having a sense of peace. I see you guys being self-controlled and you, I see this happening. But if we, as a community, consistently take credit for that stuff, we are not testifying the way we need to testify. Ours is a false testimony. Because when I love like Jesus has taught me to love without naming Jesus as the one who leads me to love, without naming the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus who leads me to love, then I am taking the credit. If my patience is just about me, then it is a false and lying testimony. What we need, what I need to be better about is when people say, wow, you're just full of joy, that the name of Jesus needs to be on my lips. I need to testify to who and what is giving me the strength to be who he has made me to be. Made me to be. And if, if we're not doing that, We're wasting what the Spirit is doing. We're wasting how the Spirit is working. We're taking the works of God and claiming them for our own. Start testifying. You don't, it's not, this isn't, this isn't something where you're going to have to walk up to strangers and say, I love Jesus, here's a pamphlet, you know, and just like have that awkward interaction, like at the beach, just baptizing strangers. You don't have, you can, but you don't have to do that. What it is, is when someone says, when someone compliments you, when someone is grateful to you, you have this opening, this opportunity to say, we, listen, you're welcome, but it's only because of Jesus that I can do this. Only because I live the way of Jesus that I do this. It's only because of what Jesus did for me that I'm doing this for you. Now you're going to have to come up with your own. You can steal mine. But come up with one you say regularly. You don't have to freestyle it every time. Write it down. Practice it in front of the mirror. I, I, am, I am done taking credit. I am done taking credit for for what God is doing in me just because the situation might get a little more awkward. Give up the glory and testify to the one who is working in you. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus because the resurrection of Jesus is changing me. I can't explain it, and I can't point to it and say, well, here's how, it was exactly what 
the, the equation. I just look back, and he's and Jesus is shaping us. He's shaping me, shaping you, shaping us as a community. Why do y'all do the things? Why do y'all do things the way y'all do things down there at Mineral Springs? Because let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And I, I think he would be heartbroken if I didn't do that for other people. We have got to find ways. And they're, they're, they're every, every day. You'll have some, if, if you are living and the Spirit is producing fruit in you and you are following the way of Jesus, you'll have people every week. We won't say every day. You'll have somebody every week say, what? Thank you. That was nice. That was so sweet of you. Now don't, little caveat here. Don't be a Jesus jerk. Because you can kind of come off like a little haughty sometimes if you just say, well, it's because of Jesus. You know, but hold on, let's say you're welcome. Establish relationship. Oh, you're, you are so welcome. But I, I want you to know it's because of what Jesus did for me that I'm doing this for you. You're welcome so much easier than that, I'll be honest. But I would argue it is about time we stop taking credit for what the Spirit is doing in And start testifying the way the Spirit is pushing us and moving us to testify. The call this week is, um, if you want to join with Jesus, if you want to have that Spirit, if you want to start being changed, then of course, come forward, go sideways, go backward, however you need to find somebody to tell you the, how we operate and how we think the Bible tells us we need to do that. I don't want you to respond to a set of steps. Like I could just stand here and tell you this is how we save people whenever they want to get saved. This is how we connect people with Jesus whenever they want to be connected with Jesus. But I don't want you to respond to a simple set of steps. I want you to respond to Jesus. If you want to respond to Jesus and be in a relationship with Jesus, we do certain things a certain way at that point. I'll tell you. It's not a secret. We baptize you. Take your confession. But this, this beautiful relationship that we have with the Son of God, with God himself, and with the Spirit they send. That is worth your response today. If you want to start that rolling. And it's worth your testimony tomorrow when someone says thank you. Let the name of Jesus be always on your lips and testify as the Spirit pushes you to testify. Let's stand with Tis the fount of love from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul, hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for
Oh 